Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Uh, today we are going to be covering the ICF core competencies numbers, uh, what, what, number three through five, right? Three through five. Yeah, we're going to try and get through three, and three, four, and five. I'm thinking yeah, co-creating the relationship. <laughs> yes, we will be co-creating the relationship today. Actually, if we want to, we could um, uh, drop that in the chat. But uh, so that's it's underneath that. We should probably do a quick overview of what the what we covered last week, really quick. Yes, last week we covered foundation and demonstrating ethical practice and embodies a coaching mindset. And today is co-creating the relationship, and we'll get into that now. Um, I'm going to turn it over to anybody. <laughs> I will take the gavel. So um, as Brick mentioned, we went over last week uh, demonstrating ethical practice. And also we touched on embodying a coaching mindset. Uh, we will open up today's stream with establishing and maintaining agreements, which I will go ahead and uh, read out the definition for that to you guys. Uh, definition of establishing and maintaining agreements would be partners with the client and relevant stakeholders to create clear agreements about the coaching relationship process plans and goals establishes agreements for the overall coaching engagement as well as those for each coaching session yeah what does that mean to you guys well, we sort of uh switched from last week we're more so focused on what you yourself the coach should and shouldn't do um how you should act as a coach and now we're starting to bring in the clients and how you work with them which is interesting which will be most of what the competencies involve as well so the partnering with our client we're setting the stage of how our sessions are going to unfold and keeping that established during each and every session that's that's to me what all of that means okay now with that said, we can go a little further into that. And next up, as far as establishing and maintaining agreements is concerned, it's broken down into, we've got whew, 11, 11 different points. So for the first one, um, it is explain what coaching is and is not and describes the process to the client and relevant stakeholders. I think we've, we've gone over this before, what coaching uh, definitely is not, and we used Jerome as our guinea pig. Yeah. Uh, plenty funny. of times to show <laughs> coaching. It's not giving advice for all you new listeners. Yes. Don't do that. Oh, man. Here I was going to tell Jerome all the things to do and how he should be doing it, and now you're just Xing it out. Well, that's <laughs> the big one, right, is not to give advice. Um I think it's also, I mean, when they say this, like, we don't I'm, explain like, what it is and what it isn't in the space is, is less important than the fact that we're explaining it to our clients and telling them what to expect within the bounds of what working with a coach is, because that that is critical because, you know, if your client comes to you wanting advice or wanting you to cure, uh, diagnose or cure their ailments or any of these things, it's important that you speak to that and let them know oh, this is what coaching this is how it works and if we go outside of the bounds of this we'll have to refer out and i think that's really what the that this sort of point is explaining the process uh, or describes the process to the client and relevant stakeholders 
Um, would that mean sort of you have – there is – every coach has their own profit process, but you're not withholding information and you're not, you know, you're laying every, your, your cards out on the table before they come in for coaching. This is what it will look like from start to finish um, for a three-month, six-month, 12-week contract, things like that. Mm-hmm. Is there a time where you should keep the process a little little bit secret or have things behind the curtain? Um, I, I can't I can't think of one off the top of my head. I guess head. Like maybe if you're taking notes and the things that are going on internally for you as a coach, right? Um, maybe if you're feeling like, oh, I relate to this or all of those things that are going on in our heads as coaches, those are the things we probably want to keep behind yeah. the curtain. <laughs> so, um, so a lot of our... Uh, coaching agreements, our contract versus our agreement, the contract also um, should be spelling it out what we are and what we're not and where we're going to go with the process. Um, Which is kind of what number two is leading into, reaching agreement about what is and is not appropriate in the relationship. And so a lot of clients do come in with the expectation that we're going to share with them what they're doing wrong and correct uh, a a thought process. And when they realize that's not what we're doing, it might take a little bit to establish an understanding of us coaching them. Us coaching them, they'll get a flavor of it. And once we roll with it, it comes together beautifully. And of course, appropriate can also extend to the bounds of, of just the, the, those things that are common sense, appropriate and inappropriate. Uh, and date your clients. <laughs> yes. Whatever you do, do not date your clients. Oh my goodness. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably not a good idea to date your clients. You, you, you've got some uh, really ethical issues going on there. Should you go that route. I love it. You said probably not a good idea. <laughs> not a good idea. I had, I've had somebody at, well, but, but this is coaching, but there is no, but just like in therapy, there is no, but yet people cross that boundary and they lose their licensure. It, at some point you are going to not do justice with the client. If you allow that boundary to be crossed. Definitely don't date your clients ever, he says. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely do not. That is a bad, that is just bad all around. Um, even if they're hot. <laughs> even if they're hot or not. <laughs> so let's go. Um, I think we can, that's pretty. Uh, is there anything else we want to cover and not appropriate or, um, appro- I mean, fairly common sense. Yeah. The next one already is- said, don't give advice. And I think the next one, and this kind of rolls into the next one, uh, reaches agreement about the guidelines and specific parameters of the coaching relationship, um, such as logistical fees, duration, termination, confidentiality, and inclusion of others. So that is um, where we get into more of that that contract logistics realm, right? Mm Confidentiality, we talked a little bit about that last week, too. I think this is fairly straightforward here. We've done pricing and everything. I would like to go to number five. Oh, wait, number is it? No, it's a little further down. So I'm, I'm waiting for six. That's what I'm excited about. All right, I'll roll through them. <laughs> number four, partners with client and relevant stakeholders to establish an overall coaching plan and goals. 
So it's not just a free for all sort of talk therapy kind of thing where you can talk about anything like you're as a coach, you're supposed to, you know, be the, um, what is it? The bumpers in bowling to keep the conversation going towards that goal in mind that you guys set up at the beginning of the uh, session. But I throw my ball over two lanes and get a strike still. And you're kicked out of the uh, <laughs> And, and frankly, sometimes that is really an important piece that that does occur in session because it allows someone who thinks differently to have a full thought. So it's to know your client and what operates for them as well. Yes, stay focused, but for those clients that you don't put one foot in front of the other, they have, a, what was that car- cartoon where... Was it Dennis the Menace or whatever? Where we used to watch it in the newspaper, and they would go all over the place to get to a point where they could just have gone straight. But to do that, that would have stopped their creative thinking. So at times, it's important to allow. Well, I mean, space. being me, somebody that's what I, when I say I, I throw it over two lanes, I'm saying that because I am I am one of those nonlinear thinkers. Whereas it can appear like I've gone off in the left field, but it does come back and it does connect and it does. It's, it's that I see the world as a, a network and not as a straight line. Um, and this is what leads into the next number five partners with the client to determine client coach compatibility. <laughs> yeah. So if I would probably not want to be with a coach that could not handle that kind of thinking. <laughs> not even that, like you might be throwing your bowling ball two lanes over. Someone might be throwing their bowling ball out the window um someone is consistently do that you have to you know think this person might not be the best client for me and that's totally okay to pick and choose your clients as much as they're picking and choosing you i do not want to be at this bowling alley guys i know it's pretty violent isn't it they're throwing bowling balls everywhere in our bowling alley i think squirrel right squirrel versus uh dennis the menace pat Right. So Dennis the Menace Path had that. I think it's Dennis the Menace. I don't remember who it really was. Had that squirrely cue way of getting to that next um, position he wanted to go to, as opposed to squirrel that just captured my attention. I'm distracted. So we're talking about a distraction versus a path that we're following. I, I call it ADD oh shiny, is what I call it. Um, oh shiny. <laughs> oh shiny. <laughs> But compatibility kind of goes farther than that, too. Um, You don't want to coach someone who has unethical goals that probably go against the uh, ICF code of ethics. Or my own. Yeah. Which which is a thing. That is a thing. And sometimes there are people who come in, and it doesn't mean they don't need coaching. It just means that you guys are not a right fit. Um, And everybody, you got to define what those boundaries are before for that i mean if you can before that moment happens sometimes it can be a surprise um, uh i know lisa you've had a, this situation kind of happen before where you were like i can't i couldn't do that i couldn't i don't know that i could well, anything that you know has harmed anybody i don't but especially children you know i can't go down that path um but there are other people who don't have that parameter such that i do what, because I don't, what I don't want to do is bring my judgment into a session. And I have to know myself where that lies. When I had a situation in a session 
where I didn't like someone, I had to coach myself instantaneously that this is not my, my, what they came in for is what we need to be working on, not the other things I'm noticing that had to be put aside because that's not what they wanted to work on. And it's definitely not a place for me to correct. It was in a judgment place. So I had some work to do with that one too. Um, I think we could probably move into the next one, right? The next point under this one, which is the one you're excited for, correct? Yeah, I was waiting for you to. Partners with the client to identify or reconfirm what they want to accomplish in the session. And this is that set, setting the session contract. It is a, a big and a very important thing um, to do in every single session. And it's how you gauge also. I mean, I guess it's how the client can gauge the success of the session as well. It's like instant for me. I like it because it's like instant ROI, instant return on investment. It, uh, you, this client comes in, you say, okay, what would you like to accomplish in this session? And they let you know. And how would you know when you've accomplished that? And as long as you do that by the end of the session, um, uh, or at least when, at the end of the session, if you haven't, you, you reconnect and go, okay, well, this is where we're at. But it's you've got that return on investment right there. You have proven your worth. It's built in. I love that. Uh, it's, it is like the get out of jail free card for coaches. And, um, and interestingly enough, that is the first two questions or three questions the students seem to forget about when we have shared that. So definitely keep that in your wheelhouse when we're in that coaching um, behavior or mindset. Anthony, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say um, sometimes you may encounter um, a scenario where the client doesn't want, doesn't have anything to accomplish in the session. And something Dan said a while ago um, stuck with me that he coaches the gap. And if there's no gap, then there's no coaching session. Yeah. I mean, so, he's, you, I've never had it happen, but he's had to have more client came in and said, I don't really want to work on anything. It's like, okay, well, we don't have to meet then. And so, oh, good. Let's till next week. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, for next week or, and then you, the coach can decide on how you go about if you're going to comp um, the client for the session or, you know, how you do that financially is up to you. But um, sometimes there might not be anything to accomplish in the session. So, just no if you if if you do have a session but it's a really short session because the client has to go out and experiment mm -hmm. that session can be equally as valuable as a full session and the same thing that anthony is saying did you see what sam goza wrote he wrote something powerful he does well he says definitely don't take your clients but he says something powerful i've done is write down every quality of a client i can't work with can't <laughs> work with um, which is, I mean, that's sort of like your do's and do not like, this is my deal breakers. You can do the same thing with dating, with friends with whatever, but these are my deal breakers. And Brooke, what are your deal breakers for clients? In, in what regard? In clients? Um, I won't, I won't work with a client that, that, uh, is going to be bending over backwards to pay me. I, I don't want to put anybody in debt. Um, I don't want anybody to be, you know, putting it on credit cards and struggling to struggling to pay, um, not for my sake, but for their sake. I don't want to do that to anybody. So that's a big no for me. Um, also, um, I, somebody who doesn't have, because of what I, the nature of what I coach and what I do and what I is, is it's business oriented. So they've got to be in that sort of business ready to go. Like I've got to be ready to go to build, to, to create a business. And if you're just 
not in that space yet where you're not ready, then, then it's not time for us to work together. So, yeah. Jerome, what's your plan? You if your, your business is boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other no one. Breakers. No <laughs> for me. Um, any Cowboys fans? Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, definitely, I would, I would say probably my big one would be um, not having the ability to want to collaborate. Uh, Collaboration is huge. I feel like if you don't really want to collaborate as a partner, um, then, or, you know, you as a client, what, what are you coming to me for? You know, um, that's something that I think needs to be understood that, you know, me as your coach, I want to be here for you. And if you are not allowing me to collaborate with you, then it's really, uh, it's a, it's a waste of time. I feel like for everyone in that scenario. Rudeness. Like, I don't want to work with somebody who is just outwardly rude, outwardly just rude. I don't, if you're rude, I don't really want anything to do with you. <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah, just the other day, the other day <laughs> we had someone that was rude and yeah, I just don't have patience for it. I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, we're not a good fit. But if you're going to be rude and talk down to me and, and then that's the topic of all, I'm not. I know you probably need the work most, right? <laughs> um, but I'm probably not your girl. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean you have to do it just because they need it. But yeah. yeah. Respect goes both ways. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that's a, an important piece to establish for yourself. And like uh, Sam was saying, a quality that you want to work with is that respectful behavior. Well, Not that is challenging, but you can have challenging behavior, but respectful has to always be part of it. We got some comments. Sam goes says, if you blur the lines between professional and personal conduct, aka flirting. So yeah, if you're flirting, yeah. that's a no that's go. A yeah. No. Yeah. Um, uh, Orha says to me, when a client states they don't feel like working on the session, it represents their ability to advocate for themselves, something that they may have been able to do previously. So I give that chance to take a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, don't force. You never want a strong arm in in this situation ever. Um, No. I think that we've, we've, that was when we were talking about setting the contract here, that session. The one thing to, again, reiterate, and uh, we sort of jumped up back and now we're back on setting the contract is not only um, do we want to open it, but that closing of the the contract is important as well. That check-in at the end, right? That yeah. mm-hmm. do you yeah. feel like we accomplished what we, we set out to accomplish? Um, in this I session? would also say that, which was probably one of my favorite parts of, Number six is partners with the client to identify or reconfirm. That reconfirm part, I think, is really important to keep in mind um, because there will be times where your client veers off and you want to make sure that you are keeping them on the path that they most want to be on um, by asking them questions. Uh, you're going you're going here and we were supposed to be going here. Which path do you want to stick to? I well, just, it's not even, well, well, and I would, I, I absolutely, but I would also ask them too, uh, is I hear you going over here. I don't, um, me, I don't see how this is relating to this. Is this where you want to go? I mean, is this, is, is this relating to this, um, in some way? Because that's, that is one of the single best things Dan does with me is uh, when we've coached together is I will start to go left. But what he does not do is tell me, well, this has nothing to do with your goal. 
what he does is he asks how it relates or if if it will and if it's going to lead to that eventually and i i say yeah no this is the path we need to do this if we're going the right trust me <laughs> um and and yes it does it does it great it does two things for me as the client it reminds me of of what i'm there set out to do and it confirms in it gives me a moment to confirm in my own head that yes this is the right path this is what we need to be discussing this is on the way um uh so it's actually a benefit it's a tremendous benefit to do that check-in um and then point number seven um makes that even more clear so that both the coach and the client are on the same page um partners with the client to define what the client believes they need to address or resolve to achieve what they want to accomplish in the session it's a uh, bit of a mouthful but um you're not only confirming what the point of the session is but what are they going to do to get to that goal because i could say i want to lose not even that i want to be fit that's my um <laughs> goal. and then you would go into what are the measures i'm going to take or how am i going to um track that goal of losing weight and i could say i could lose 30 pounds and I can, the measures I'll take is keeping track of my calories or doing this and that. So we're getting more specific building blocks to reach towards that goal. Sam, by the way, says uh, the point of when going, we're starting, his clients are starting to veer off. He's got like a code word, um, a safety word. Uh, I have a code word that automatically signals the question, that question to the clients is railroad is what he says. So like, I guess it's a little reminder. Are we going the right way? Railroad, uh, obviously, probably something he explained in number, uh, what was it? Three <laughs> at some point. Um, uh, so in my sessions, I use the a code word to, um, so that the client also knows what that means. Um, but that's, a, I like, I mean, that's, a, that's a, a cool way to sort of do that in a quick way without being uh, offensive and being relatively neutral. So I like, uh, good idea, Sam. <laughs> Another word that can sometimes be helpful is bridge the difference between what you're sharing with me now and what you explained earlier. Ah, yeah, okay, perfect. And and so here's my question, uh, devil's advocating, if I may. Um, uh, so you, if I ask me that question one more time, bridge the from so what you shared at the beginning of our session was x y and z right now you're sharing a b and c bridge those two for me okay um and and because my, for my i have two inclinations that happen when i say that i, I want to go bear with me we'll get there i promise <laughs> um, that works that, yeah that's all the reassurance i know that the, that there is a connection sure. i just need to be patient and um wait and see You've just you've just shared with me basically that you understand where you're going, and that's all I need to know. Even if I don't get it yet, I don't have to. It's yeah, not about me. It's about the client <clears throat> knowing what they're saying, and that's really the only important piece. At that this was point. My, yeah, that was my question. That was sort of what I was alluding to. Is like, well, what if I don't want to explain it all to you right now? I'm getting there. I will. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> um, so that's sort of what went through my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Number eight. Is that a crying? <laughs> Me crying? I, I, I always. No, I was kidding. So number, yeah, number eight. Go ahead. 
partners with the client to define or reconfirm measures of success for what the client wants to accomplish in the coaching engagement or individual session. So sometimes that measure of success will change or the goal will change too. Again, if my goal is to lose weight, maybe my measure of success isn't actually losing weight. Maybe I change and it's feeling good about my body image. And then the conversation will shift from there. Um, so it's always good to check in to see what that measure of success is because the client may come to a different uh, understanding of what they want to accomplish. What do you guys think? Um, I got I, distracted by Sam. I was reading what totally she distracted. My poor body issues for the rest of my life. You had said that the, the uh, managed time and focus, the, the direction of the client's outcome, unless indicates otherwise. That's that's the, the client can change. Yeah, we don't have to hold the client to the, the exact goal. If, if they choose to change their minds and you have that conversation, no, no, I've, I've changed my route and this is what I, is more important. Now, that is okay. And I think you will often find that happens, right? They come into one thing and it ends up being something else that they really have to work on. Well, and Sam adds the tone is important and that we understand the rapport that we have in the session, which is going through this process as well throughout the whole entire time that we're with that client. So absolutely. Yeah. I'll pay attention to Sam, but not, not I Anthony. know. That's right. Yeah, Anthony. Sorry. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Um, all right. So, so now he's not reading anymore. So now <laughs> number 11, number 11 partners with the, this is the last one for our, our number three, by the way. Partners. Wait, wait a couple. We skipped a couple. We skipped a when did we skip? Yeah, I thought wait, we were on eight. Eight, bro. We were at... <laughs> I'm done. We'll right. skip through all three of them right now. Okay. Nine. Partners with client to manage the time and focus of well, the session. Because we covered that already. That's yeah. why. And we're, we're partnering with each other right now to manage the time and focus. <laughs> we're demonstrating. Then continues coaching. Then continues coaching in the direction of the client's desired outcome, unless the client indicates otherwise. And that's we, that. Uh, that they kind of say this redundantly several times, don't they? Mm -hmm. yeah, they are redundant. They really like to drive that point home. Like they're like, I think it's important. Yeah. <laughs> Eleven. Finally, partners with the client to end the coaching relationship in a way that honors the experience. I really quick. I know that to touch on that. Um, there are different. I just want to get your opinions because there are different schools of thought here with regard to um, with coaching. Is it something that should be forever and ongoing, or is it something that should eventually? have a finish i mean should we always be upselling our clients for the next thing or should it should it are we should we be okay with eventually the client flying off on their own and and, and being told i would absolutely say we are coaching the client to put ourselves out of business not literally but figuratively because inevitably they do come back because there's follow through there's Stop dancing there. <laughs> Where's Jerome going? I didn't know where Jerome was. Yeah, I'm going to turn him off. For so, now. Inevitably, the coaching, what they've done some research, coaching they have found has a residual lasting effect for about five years. And so five years later, sometimes they like to come back and be reminded of the process. So that's kind of a cool thing. 
that is a potential, but I'm going to, that one's weird. <laughs> That's the one with us. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out the best for three. <laughs> the obvious is the, the client is going to be utilizing their coaching session and we are coaching them to be self-sufficient and build their neurons that they can count on themselves. Absolutely. I mean, that's Wi-Fi is super choppy is what he said. What we do not want to happen is to have, I mean, really, we're not creating people who are dependent on us. Like we're not, that's the whole point of coaching is to teach these clients that they are, can do it themselves and it's happening in them. And And they can, they can, they just usually need to be reminded. We've gotten so used to in the habit. What do we all do every day, all day long as we go to Google for everything? We search things up on that internet. And this is becoming much more self-reliant and building that neural connection of self-reliance and trusting ourselves. I think that's the other side. My my capability to search Google makes me feel more self-reliant, though. (laughs) Um, Some people will make the argument like, oh, but people always have goals. Whenever you're done with a goal, you move on to the next thing. And that's another thing you can keep coaching. But I would argue against that because you might not, you should, in my opinion, have your niche uh, market that you work for and your narrow band of focus as a coaching. Um, A relationship coach may not be the best coach for, you know, business or for a variety of other pain points or problems a person might have. So just because there are more problems out there to coach, doesn't mean that you should keep them on the hook. You should look or that you should, you know, keep your client perpetually in a state of problem. <laughs> on that note, yeah, though, on no, the note, on no. the note of moving forward, yeah. right? On the note of moving forward, let's move to number four, shall we? <laughs> so number four, cultivate trust and safety. Definition. This, this is core competency number four, not core competency point. number four. Yes, core competency numero cuatro. Uh, for those of you who speak Espanol. Um, so it is a definition partners with the client to create a safe and supportive environment that allows the client to share freely, maintains a relationship of mutual respect and trust. So do we so, want to just delve into the points and then uh, take it from yeah, there? Yeah, let, let the points, um, we'll explain and we'll talk about it. Point number one, seek to understand the client within their context, context, which may include their identity, environment, experiences, values, and beliefs. Seeks to understand within the context. Um, hmm. So seeing the client through their eyes, seeing the world through their eyes, that's what that's meaning. So if well, I, it's not just seeing, it's understanding. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 you want to understand it and, and really know, understand what's going on for your client in their environment, identity, experience, values, beliefs, which mm-hmm. life really, right? Remaining curious, avoiding assumptions, uh, which yeah. we did speak about uh, when we, we spoke about core competency one and two, uh, just staying in that space of curiosity and again, this staying far life. away from things that you do not understand and placing labels to them if you do not understand them. This, uh, this whole competency is a lot like number one. It is a lot. Uh, but I think the reason they may be repeating it, right, is um, in, in number one, it was about that level of respect. And this one, this is about co- cultivating trust and safety. So this is really, for me, I think the reason they're repeating themselves is that it's about 
creating that environment that in which your your client can trust you that cooperative communication and how to do that whereas in one you're supposed to come with that coaching mind that's your you in your coaching mindset this is more about you creating this safe space with your client and how to do that um and i think that's why they're reiterating this point if i if i were to guess <laughs> um because these, if you look at them all, we did. These are all things we sort of touched on uh, last week. So, um, and but still important. Yes. But they are rep repeating themselves because I, I imagine that importance. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, number two demonstrates respect for the client's identity, perception, style, and language, and adapts one's co uh, adapts one's coaching to the client. How do I adapt? Oh, well, I guess my style. I'm not going to like wear the same shirt as them, but <laughs> I might change the kind of way I, I, I stylistically coach them, right? Based on what works for them. Um, yeah, I've likened it that we are the coaches are the chameleon to meet our clients where they're at. So I do have to dress like my clients. <laughs> not exactly like them, but if somebody's, you know, dressing down, don't take that position of authority where you're, you know, yes. wearing a tie and shirt and jacket all the time. Um, maybe don't have a setup in your, if you do this in an office, don't have a setup where you're in a huge chair and someone else is sitting on a stool or something like that. So this is being capable of being versatile, right? As a coach, we should be capable of adapting sort of on the fly, uh, which is kind of a very neat thing for us as coaches because it allows uh, us to, to, to be chameleons, like Lisa said, which uh, that, that's neat. Like, you know, I have a couple different outfits in my, in my <laughs> a scarf and <laughs> cowboy hat. <laughs> but but this, in level two, we sort of go into a positioning exercise, right? Yeah. We do this positioning thing and, and how we are positioned can very much change a, um, a lot about how we are working with our clients and, and, um, being capable of changing that position in order for your client to open up or feel safe is, is a, can be a very powerful thing, right? I have used it really well with clients and it's come together beautifully where they were in the chair and I got down on the ground. It sounds weird. I know it sounds weird, but just getting down made them transition their thought process to a different one. So it was very successful, short story version. I have a question and maybe there isn't an easy answer to it. At what point do you say I can no longer flex into this client's space because it is now to the point where I personally don't feel that I have the capability of coaching in this space? Oh, you do it as soon as you know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I would I would say know this before you start your agreement with them if they're compatible. But one the thing that came to mind for some reason was if there's a language barrier. And I mean like a literal language barrier as in they speak broken um, English and from the intake session or whatever, I feel like I could coach them. And later on, there's just communication issues that I can't learn um, a language within a week. And it's unfortunate, but that might be. What about like a, a text to, to talk? thing like <laughs> um, well, yeah then you would ask you would find solutions and maybe ask if your client is okay with this um these sort of solutions but that's one thing that came to mind that maybe i feel like i couldn't adapt to as well 
I, I, I think you might be surprised though, Anthony. I think when you have a rapport built, sometimes it's totally not about the language necessarily. There's that flow. I mean, I can give you an, an extreme example of this. I'm running through, I don't know how many of you have been through Dallas airport, but you got to go from one terminal to another terminal and you got to take a train to get there. Mm -hmm. So I'm literally running to my, because my plane is about ready to leave. My plane landed late. The other one's taken off on time. I'm running and I have some people, um, I don't know, some beautiful Asian people that stop me. They stop me like, like, yes, can I help you? <laughs> and they're asking me for some help. And so they didn't speak English. And I didn't speak, and I and I and I want to say I think they were from Japan, but I'm not really sure. So I didn't speak the language, but yet I could help them. So there's just something in that body language that you can oftentimes pick up. But I think what I'm hearing you say is the more fine, the finer that detail, that deeper dive into the coach. Maybe that is a good place to um, find someone that speaks their verbal language that can be helpful perhaps yes but there's a lot of times that you don't need that i've worked with many different languages in my session while they did speak english to a point we we're able to communicate i th i think rather well just because of that rapport that gets built and so the ability to connect that way mm -hmm. so it's easier to adapt than you may think it is yeah. to um, these sort of things okay yeah, well, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it can be a camp. I mean, it also depends on to the comfort of the client. If the client feels for me, if the client feels like they are satisfied at the end of that session um, and and we have worked together, something has been accomplished that that is enough for me. If Now, if it's like nothing is happening, right, if we're just stagnant. Yeah, we're sitting there. That's different. Like there's because I I know Lisa and I've talked about this too. There there can be moments, especially like in couples coaching or when you're working with a client where they just are not making progress. You they send them away and they come back and nothing is accomplished. It's, and it's just it just doesn't go anywhere. After a while, that might drive me crazy. That might make me a little because I would start to feel like like okay, what do I, I I I suck at my job. I've got to find somebody who's better. Like um, because it would start to eat away at me as a coach if they're just not. It's I mean I can see one week or two, but why are you paying me then? Um, so there there are some clients I challenge with that more often than not because of that. Share with me how this is going. And basically trying to move in that direction. And then they would tell me and try and convince me how they are making all these changes. So it's a good thing, too, because they also then get reminded where they are making valuable changes in that. I, Speaking so, of valuable changes and sort of um, them justifying their work, a number three, acknowledge and respects the client's unique talents, insights, and work in the coaching process. I'm gonna make it, so so I know we've got three, we've got four and five, we don't have much time to cover here, but I think they both are are one kind of very one and the same. So what I'd like to do is just sort of read the points and then have us talk it through. Cause I think we can after having read them. So um, I feel like you, you had just read number four, which is show support, empathy and concern for the client, acknowledges, supports the expression, feelings and perceptions of the uh, client's beliefs, or uh, feelings, perceptions, concerns, beliefs, and suggestions, demonstrates openness, transparency as a way to display vulnerability and build trust with the client, 
And then number five is maintains presence, which is is fully conscious and present with like, just imagining an unconscious employing uh, <laughs> <laughs> a style that is open, flexible, um, uh, ground grounded, and confident. Remains focused, observant, empathetic, and responsive to the client. Kind of we just said that right. Demonstrates during uh, demonstrates curiosity during the coaching process. Manages one's emotions to stay present with the client demonstrates confidence and working with strong client emotions during the coaching process is comfortable working in a space of not knowing and creates and allows space for silence, pause or reflection. So I think that these kind of work in can't, I mean, they work together. Um, it's, a, it's all about creating that safe space really, which I think honestly, one of the things that um, I, I, I say, and I'm going to continue to say to a new coaches and new coach graduates is the magic, uh, so much of the magic of what a coach does is provide this space. It's not the advice. It's not, the, it's that uh, it's just a safe space where the client can be exactly who they are or what they want to be and be silent or, or share freely. And, and just this, th that is the magic is, oh my God, somebody's curious about me and my life and I am not being judged and I can share like, Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love that point. Cause I feel like you get so caught into the technicality of it all that we forget that that at its core is just so beneficial and useful for our clients and sitting exactly. in that space changes more than we realize. I feel like at sometimes because we're so hyper-focused on doing every little detail correctly. Am I, am I, am I going to reach the goal? Are we going to have a breakthrough? Are we going to, but, but the, for me, that magic is just that safe space, that safe space, because that that's what allows all of the uh, everything else to take take effect and really do do its job is just by virtue of creating this safe and trust trusting and it's, it's sacred it becomes sacred and that's really what i would for me as a client would keep me coming back is is knowing that i have this little nugget this little hour hour and a half uh you know once every other week or once a week where i get to be in this wonderful safe space that's done worth it <laughs> There's no in addition to that while all is true when i say we are coaching people to put ourselves out of business sometimes we just become that as you're mentioning brooke there it's just a place that we can go and have a real conversation when we've all been working so it's like a scheduled <laughs> almost like a scheduled play date except it's a coaching day right and it's, it's scheduled me time, right? Like I, you know, every, every, I mean, it is, it can be, it is selfish and that's okay. Right. It's okay. It's, I mean, I get to be unapologetically selfish, work on me, work on whatever I want, talk about whatever I want and do so without judgment. And somebody else is curious. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm sold. Like, here's my money. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and also you can trust that if you sort of, um, if I was the client and I got emotional or I displayed anger, like I, cause this might be a thing I see with men more than women, men tend to keep things close to their chest and they let it all out at once. Um, and that's a very hard thing to do with a stranger. And we want to be able to trust that whoever we're working with isn't going to judge us they're going to affirm how we feel is, you know, how we feel, yeah. um, you know, and we don't want somebody to, um, yeah, I guess judge would be the right word for that. Yeah. 
Well, and it's which I, I I'm I'm going to be a personal advocate for changing the meaning of the word judgment because I think that judgment is a good thing, um, and we all should exercise it and use it. And but it's got such a negative spin on it. Um, uh, but I I would say that 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 what I want if I'm doing that emotional purge is one yes to be validated to have to be told that I'm not crazy and that it's okay for me to feel that way and that that I'm. But then on the other side, I also have somebody that's going to ask me some questions and say, make sure that I, I'm not, I'm not being one-sided, right? I'm not being so, so myopic or self-involved that I'm not. I want somebody to make me see the whole picture so that then whatever I'm really upset about, I can start to make a resolution and have a better understanding of. So what about, have you thought of? Mm -hmm. Oh, were you, were you going to say something, Lisa? Sorry, I tried to, but nothing came out. <laughs> <laughs> we're all waiting for it. Like, what's going on? I tried. I got a little, I got a little sort of throat going on, I guess. Um, I said, it's the, the, have you thought about, what about, can, have, what have you considered? What have you not considered? It's, as I say, pick up the rock, look around the rock, and then look underneath the rock, as well as above the rock, to look at all the facets of what they're bringing to the table. It's for me, it's one of the things we talk about in level two, that concept of forgiveness that um, in order for me to forgive a situation or somebody else, I have to first forgive myself. And, and, and then also I have to understand the motivations of the people within, at least to my as much as I can. Right. I have to empathize and go, OK, this is why they did that. It's not that they're some horrible human being that's, uh, you know, doing this It's because they're human, too. And, and then when I come to that place and I understand that, that their perspective or point of view is when I can can then uh, forgive and understand and sort of come to a place of, of OK, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with this. Um, uh, and so that is that's that's that what something a coach can do. Is, is ask the questions to get me to understand things better. So One of the, I don't know whose line this is. I don't remember, but it does belong to someone. Um, it is forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. So it's, you can't change the history. You can't change the past. You can today, how it's affecting you, make those adjustments and find that what that forgiveness means for you, for them, for everyone involved. So absolutely. Um, we have about 10 minutes left. This one time went by fast. Um, well, so, uh, no kidding, we spread through all the points. Uh, <laughs> so the last, I mean, in these last two, this maintains presence, um, is fully conscious and present and is open, flexible, grounded and confident. So I have, a, I have a time that I, I wasn't conscious. You want to hear that story? I don't think I've heard that story. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was, I was um, one of those days where I had a full client list. And a full client list is seven couples. And that's a lot. You're talking about 14 people throughout my day. And we're going about an hour and a half. That's, that's a busy schedule. Mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling so good that morning. And then as the day progressed, I wasn't feeling so good continually. So I started telling my clients, you know, I'm not quite right. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. Let's just keep going until I know what's happening. All the way to the last couple, apparently I passed out. And the ICF immediately revoked your ACC. 
Lisa, you, you went physically unconscious is what you actually I think. did. I passed out in the chair. Oh, at least you were sitting. sitting. <laughs> and now this is going to be just, just awful for some of you. So you might want to go, ah, I threw up. I projectile vomited across the room. <laughs> at least, at least your clients know that you're not well at that point. Like they know yeah. that this, this is not yeah. like there's something has gone horribly awry here. She's sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, Actually, there's nothing in the core competencies that says you can't vomit. On you. <laughs> the the cool thing good. from that experience, they. I mean, it's going to sound very strange, but they said this was the best coaching ever <laughs> because they got to come together and see how amazing of a team that they are. They got to see how one picked up where one didn't. Oh, like that's that. Lisa, did you plan this out? I, the, the warm and fuzzies happen. Can I take credit? From that, from that day forward, she projectile vomited in every session. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't recommend it. Not at all. Um, well, that's a, that, that's a good uh, way to sort of illustrate. Like, if you feel like you're not going to be conscious and present throughout the session, then probably you should cancel. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's what I, I. One of the things I wanted to ask was was it says this uh, the concept of being. We've talked about open. We've talked about flexible, but grounded and confident. Maybe we have not, especially the the confident piece. Um, uh, grounded, okay, that's that setting your emotion side. That's staying level, right? Um, yeah. but confident. I know there are a lot of coaches, especially brand new ones out there, that that often feel like they 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 aren't they can't do it. They aren't good enough. They've got imposter syndrome. They they're walking in terrified. Um, so how do you approach your sessions with confidence? Make it till you make it. I'm just kidding. I'm totally yeah, no, kidding. I'm going to say you, you check your brain at the door. That's your ego that I'm speaking about. You check your ego at the door. You follow the process. The process works. You don't need really to have a whole lot more than the process, especially as a new coach. You get that process going. You're going to feel confident in it when you see the results the clients provide back with, within the session. But Daniel Campana said um, about your projectile vomiting that you gave him a unique problem to solve. <laughs> um, I did. And I did. And they they definitely got to see how they were a team. They got married afterwards. And yes, they had come back a few times. So yeah, it was beautiful. I, that, on that confident note, what you were speaking of um, is, is uh that I think a big part of that is the trust the process. Like uh, one of the things your client, you're walking in the door. If once you, you, those of you who don't know what coaching is, take CLCI's class and you can learn. Um, but, but what, one of the things we show you and teach you through the process is that the client has all the answers. They have the questions as well. What you're bringing in there is the, the, the curiosity, the safe space, the skill set to, to know how and what to ask. But, just trust that that client has all those answers. Like they are gonna, they're they are gonna provide you with what you need walking in that door. Even the questions, they're gonna provide you the place where the questions are as well. So you don't have to go in there being an expert at this or an expert at that. All you have to be an expert as at is being a coach. That's it. You don't have to be an a, an expert 
um, health coach, an expert spiritual coach, an expert. No, you just have to be an expert coach. And what that entails is these core competencies, the, the creating the safe space, the being curious, the, all of that. And if you trust that process, you're, you find that confidence, you know? And then also, it's okay to be nervous. It means you care about it, right? That's, that's what I've always... It's part of um, being outcome, you know, independent, where sometimes if you're a newer coach, you're so focused on saying the right thing and getting your client to that breakthrough and you're emotionally invested in their success. You got to take a step back and just say, you know, I'm who I am as a coach is independent of the client's success. And that definitely gets a whole lot of reassurance and confidence when you know you're doing your due diligence and, you know, there's only so much you can do. So why worry about it? Back to number three. The client is going to tell you what they want out of the session. They're going to tell you how they're going to gauge it. And they're going to tell you how they're going to get there. So, so they're right there. They're doing the, I mean, they're doing the hard work and the hard lifting. And that's, if you set that session contract, look at that. You, you don't have to, you know what you're doing in that session and you can't know what you're doing until you're there with that client. So and if you ever feel like you're floundering, then you'd go back to that. You know, I want to make sure I'm understanding what you hope to get from today. You go back to those questions. Or the number one life co- life coach catch all. Tell me more about that. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> okay, you put your hands together like this and you do. Tell me we, all, more. we all need shirts that say, tell me more. <laughs> um, this That is about our time, guys. We are just about done. And I think we did. We, uh, we, yeah, I think we communicated three, four, and five effectively. Please bring us into next week's communicative effectively section. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you guys for everybody who participated out there in the, in, in, in the world of social media and Facebook. Um, make sure you guys tune in next week. We'll be going into core competencies number six and seven, the communicates, uh, communicating effectively section and doing a deep dive into those. And for those of you who don't know or have no clue why we're, what any of this is, but you're interested in coaching in some regard, um, uh, check out Certified Life Coach Institute. We certify coaches in three days. And Jerome, why don't you finish off the sign off? <laughs> Always Maybe yeah. <laughs> Jerome can't say bye. <laughs> so never mind. Um, so make sure you guys comment, share, like, and check out CLCI or Certified Life Coach Institute. Thank you for watching, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.